Hello and welcome to Audiobook Connection, behind the scenes with the creative teams. I'm Becky Parker Geist and I'm your host. Audiobook Connection is your place to learn about the audiobook creative process in discussions between the authors, narrators, producers, and post-production teams that bring them all together, as well as guests who have listened to the audiobooks and have questions for the creative teams. This podcast is sponsored by Pro Audio Voices, helping great stories come alive through audiobook production and marketing. Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for joining me. Today, I have with me the director of pre-production, Jerry Lee Geist. She is our director of pre-production at Pro Audio Voices. And I asked her to join me today so that we could talk about the adaptation of scripts from either screenplays or theater scripts. So, Jerry Lee, thank you so much for being here. Hi, it's a pleasure. So I would love to jump in and ask you a little bit about the process that you go through and some of the things that you are both looking for and also things that you specifically modify when you're working with these kinds of materials. One of the first things I wanted to ask you about is uh, the difference between adapting a screenplay versus adapting a theater play? What kinds of differences are you seeing in that preparation process? Yeah, so they're both they're both visual. So there are a lot of similarities, but you will find in screenplays that things jump around a lot more. You have, you know, cut to a different place, a different time, flashbacks, which you can't really do very, well, you can do to a certain extent in plays, but it's much can be much more disjointed in in screenplays. So when you're adapting the manuscript for audio because you can't see them, there is there's a lot of uh, changing around the timeline in a sense to make it make sense. And so that as we're listening, we're not jumping around from place and time. It can get really confusing, especially if it's a bunch of short clips. And well, that makes sense to me uh, as I think about how a film plays out, you know, that, that we're often going from one, you know, so that let's say we're looking at one character and then we see a reaction shot and, you know, that those kinds of things, I guess, would typically be in a screenplay, right? Right. And they don't right. make a lot of sense when you're listening to it. So there is a, there can be some rearranging and trying not to cut out important content, but just rearranging it so that it makes sense. And then, of course, theater scenes typically would be, if we just even think about the fact that you're going to likely change your set or something else about the scene, so that typically we have these longer scenes in in theater plays. So that makes sense. And then when you're doing your, your adaptation or your, as you're thinking through these things, what's one of the ways that you, maybe you handle some of this information that might not be part of the dialogue. Mm -hmm. There are, in both plays and screenplays, uh, a lot of direction that can be, for screenplays, it can be camera direction, you know, pan or whatever, cut to. And in plays, that can look like 
actors exit, move upstage, put on some different costumes, whatever it is. It can be a whole range of things, and it can even be as as small as a direction for the actor for the line. Some screenwriters put in more of that, some less, so it really depends. Would you like handle that with like adding a narrator voice, for example? Yeah, so a lot of times that is how we will handle it, and in a lot of ways that makes it easier to follow, kind of like if you're listening to a storybook, you'll hear, you know, character A goes to to the store, and then okay. character A will speak. Um, so it just helped the listener follow along with the dialogue because you can't see what they're doing. Right. Right. You just touched on something that I want to highlight because I think that this is, is a really interesting point in terms of writing for audio in, in a way. So when you just said character A goes to the store, and then we there's this implication that we're going to know that character A is the one that's about to speak because you've most recently referenced that character. And I know that I've seen that in a lot of the the scripts that you work on is that you're you're finding those ways to provide the information that maybe is otherwise tucked into stage directions or film shots and leading in so that we don't so that we know who's going to speak, right? Yeah, I mean, so we read that all the time in books. Right. And we may not be cognizant that happens, but um, when you're reading a book, it doesn't say, and now Lucy speaks. Then Lucy has her <laughs> her um, right. section. She, you know, you hear something like, and then Lucy sat down on the table and then there's her her dialogue. So it's actually very natural for us to connect those two. Right. Right. And so we just have someone say that. And so they're connecting it like you would be listening to a, an audiobook from a, a normal fiction. Right. Right. Yeah. And I think that that's often a sign. Those kinds of lead-ins are, are often a sign of some really strong writing, even in novels, relying less on the he said, she saids, relying less on those attributions than on uh, the, the story itself leading us to understand who's speaking. And then um, you had also mentioned, uh, so I want to call it out, some of the the directions that the screenwriter or playwright may have written in where they really want to indicate, how is this character feeling? Because the line itself may not be enough or the scene itself may not be clear enough, or maybe it is, but they want to make sure it gets through. How do we handle those? Yeah, so I, I almost feel like uh, uh, an actor will um, answer this very clearly. Um, this is thing when you are in a in a play or a screenplay that um, bothers many actors. It's kind of like the author imposing their um, their will on the acting of the person, um, and I think it really depends on the placement as to whether it's helpful or not. Like you said, there are instances where it may not, it may not be obvious, but the writer is trying to get across an emotion that they feel is important that the actor may not pick up on because, of course, there are mm-hmm. many ways to interpret um, text. Yeah. Yeah, when, when I'm adapting scripts, 
I will sometimes take out some that I feel are unnecessary. That may just be my um, personal preference. I feel like leaving as much up to the actor as possible can help let them kind of speak for themselves in a way. And I think even, let's say, for example, if somebody like explodes out of the blue, you know, this suddenly something that we don't see coming, that stage directions like that can be left in for the actor only and that they don't get read, but they, you know, if it helps to interpret for the actor, if we think they might be, might miss something in that way. Yes, there are things in the script that you won't hear, but they help the uh, the narrator, the actor, read, perform. Yeah. And then the um, things like film shots, you know, the pan or the cut to, when we're thinking about... I'm I'm thinking in terms of the audience for an audiobook version of a screenplay or a theater script. And uh, something I just want to highlight for our listeners is that depending on your goals for the the conversion, this this adaptation into the audiobook, if your your goal is strictly to have a version that industry professionals are going to be listening to, and they're so used to that terminology that you feel like that's the way for them to get it. And I mean, unless that is your very specific goal, then we want to keep in mind that if we're trying to reach a broader audience, a more general audience, those who are not, most most people are not typically gravitating towards, oh, I want to go read a screenplay or I want to read a, you know, a theater script unless they're in the industry and really understand that and appreciate that format because they're used to reading them. So when we think about how we, how we t- adapt the screenplay, for example, for a more general audience, what are, and, and you may have already addressed some of this, I'm sure that you did, but I just want to come back to it. It's like, what are some of the ways that we can create a more listener-friendly experience for that general audience? Yeah, it's a really good point. The audience is a really, is very important to know when adapting a script. So, and, and in many ways, say you are adapting a screenplay for audio because you want to send it to producers to, to produce your screenplay, then maybe you don't need all the extra, um, which would be necessary to help the general audience kind of absorb the content better. But oftentimes that's, that's kind of unusual, actually. So that aside. Yeah. I think that, yeah, I, well, I think that you, if I may, I think that the direction it sounded like you were heading is that the, you know, for, for the average listener, having a more narrative experience is going to be what they can follow better, understand better, engage in more. Yeah. As you were starting, I was thinking about how, I was thinking about the theater producer or the film producer. And I thought, you know, really, 
what grabs people when they're interested in picking up a concept or a, a script is not the shots, you know? It's not the stage directions. It really is the meat of the story. And the better the, the story is told, the more likely they're going to be interested in it. So even though we, you know, when I was talking about uh, like, okay, maybe if your goal is for these people and uh, like by the time I finished that, I thought, well, no, maybe that's not even true. Even then, maybe even especially then, we want to really get that story really clear and get that across an engaging story. Yeah, I think um, there are a lot of writers who are... uh very attached to the way that they've written that they've written it so that conversion process can be a little what's the word i guess challenging challenging <laughs> <laughs> yeah just because you know like a a project that we've been working on recently i think is a really great example of this that the writer already has in their head the play that they've written but the audience does not have in their head already the play. And so there is, I think there's a bit of a letting go process or, a, or maybe a mindset shift in, in this where you need to step back from the content that you've created and try to be the audience or try to be the listener, you know, and, and detach yourself from the characters that you know so well that you've, you know, poured your soul into. Let's pause for a moment. We'll be right back. Do you have a book that you imagine with multiple voices or a screenplay or stage play? At Pro Audio Voices, we love working on these more complex productions with music and sound effects and a full cast of voices. Bringing together decades of experience in both theater and audio production, our team brings your project to life. From manuscript preparation to casting to directing the actors, and a post-production team to bring it all together, Pro Audio Voices brings your project to life. Learn more at proaudiovoices.com forward slash full dash cast. Yeah, I think that's true. You know, it can be, I, I think it is in many ways an, an almost impossible task to set oneself to be able to forget all the you know, all that you know, that depth of information that you know about your own material. And so having somebody else come in and help create an experience where the listener is not going to get lost. Because if you are, let's say you're going along in a scene and some character enters, and even if you have a different voice, that the your listening audience is not necessarily going to remember who that was even if you do as the one who knows the script so well i think there's a bit of a of a challenge for the um, the writer in terms of that letting go and and trusting that that the person who's developing the script is has that in mind you know is really working towards creating a great listener experience for their story. Yeah. Uh, and, and there is a balance there when you're adding in those kind of narrator lines that weren't there originally. There does need to be a lot of introductions and you can do that in a lot of different ways. You know, 
It doesn't have to be. And now character A is coming in and says, you can, with as we were talking about before, this sort of association thing. Mm-hmm. Right. But I think at a certain point as a listener, you get used to the voices. And so you need less of that and you can have more of that straight dialogue. Right. Yeah. Good point. So that as you go further on and these characters are speaking regularly, that there's a little more, that, that the listener will more quickly recognize who's speaking. And that's, it feels like sort of a great point to bring up the full cast issue because most often, you know, certainly when we've been producing screenplays or theater plays as audiobooks, is these are full cast projects. And so we have a variety of voices. Many times we have actors playing multiple roles, though. And even with altering their voices for the different characters, there's still, you know, some need for making sure that there's going to be clarity you know, and making sure that even in the casting process, that there is, that we're, we're ideally getting pretty distinct voices. Yes. That's, that's very important, actually. Um, and uh, that's like maybe a whole other conversation is the casting process, but um, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's something we should, we'll talk about on another episode. <laughs> One of the other things that I know that we are engaged with, with these kinds of projects are music and sound effects. Tell me a little bit about how that, how you approach that as you're working with a manuscript. Yeah, there. Um, so there are, are a variety of ways that those are appropriate. I would say for specifically for plays and screenplays, they're very common. Just because you know we have usually multiple narrators, and it is much more toward the radio play type of experience where you are immersing yourself in the world. So we have usually have music, not always, but often it will be to lead in a scene, lead out kind of for transitions or for emotional moments as you might have it in a, in a film and then honoring whatever sorts of things are happening that you might not, that might not be spoken. So someone throws a, you know, someone throws a dish out the window. You could have the narrator say that. You could even have the narrator say that and then hear the crash of the dish, or you could just have the dish crashing. Um, or maybe that wasn't the best example, but some you were like people walk into the room and sit down and then you have the scraping of chairs and you have a better sense of being in the room. Right, or you could, I'll go back to your, actually the dish example, or you could have, you know, if the comment is appropriate to change it to, I don't want this dish. And then we hear a crash, you know. Lots of different ways to tweak it a little bit to help the narrative and still bring in the sound effect that will be understandable. I think, um, you know, sometimes some sound effects are tricky because you think uh, the one that that comes to mind is like the turning of a page. The, it's hard to get the, that sound of an actual page turning to sound like the turn of a page. Most of the most of the time, it sounds like a click, right? <laughs> so if unless there's some indication of what it is, like better to leave it out or 
you know, if it's a subtle one like that is where you, you wouldn't really need it in order to feel like you're still in the room. But some sound effects work better than others in terms of enhancing that experience. Yeah, it's it's definitely a balance and an art. Finding, uh, figuring out where to put them, how many to put. You know, you can have a really heavy sound effect situation or right. or very light, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's partly preference and it will make something of a difference as to how much you're you're bringing your audience into that world. Right. I think about uh, as a an example that we might use for that in terms of that difference. We could have a scene where we're in a battle and we hear someone and and we the narrator says he ran into the bushes there is a whole uh, and and fired. Right? We could have he ran into the bushes and fired and we just hear the fire, you know, or he ran into the bushes and we hear the running and he fired and we hear the running and the gunshot. Or you could go full out and have the bushes in there too, right? So there really is that question of how dense do you want your sound? And the battle, the battle sounds in the background. Exactly. Battle sounds in the background. Yeah. 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 And, and another piece of that, the layering of sound effects can really give that filmic quality. Right. So, yeah. It's a, it's a fun and intense process. And uh, just because I'm thinking about it, I'll just bring up one other thing about sound effects and that I think can be, uh, is good to recognize. And that is that while there are many sound effects libraries out there, that the development of or either the creation of, or even just the finding of the right sound effect that fits the moment that you've created in your your screenplay or your, your theater script can be very time intensive. It can take a lot of time just to find the right version that actually fits and doesn't like call itself out as like, hmm, that's a little odd. It sounds like they're inside instead of outside, but that is a splash in a bucket of water. <laughs> You know, yeah, and and definitely calling attention to um, the specificity of sound effects. While there are many people who have recorded a door opening and closing, there may not be many people who have recorded the sound of fifty skittles dropping into a bowl at you know five feet. You know, exactly, <laughs> exactly. That's right. So sometimes you know what's involved in the process of this, the creation is actually the development or you know, creation of those specific sound effects. So there's a lot of very interesting, very fun, very creative, and also very time-intensive work. And that impacts as well with any producer, I'm certain. It, it impacts the cost and it impacts the way, you know, your thing is going to sound, your audiobook is going to sound at the end. So a lot of options in there. And and I, I I'm glad that you you called out the fact that you can do a lighter version of a of a sound effects you know of a soundscape basically because i think for many people you know who aren't ready to go on you know full on and heavy that can be a good option also the fact that most screenplays most theater scripts are shorter pieces they're not usually 100,000 words you know these long manuscripts where Creating that kind of world, sound world, 
with the longer manuscripts is, you know, even more intensive. So many times with um, with a screenplay or a film script, there's because it's short, you can actually kind of afford to do a lot more with it. And then music. Uh, I know that we, you know, we've had a, at least a couple um, musical version, you know, scripts, screenplays that either have full out musical songs included or have some some songs, you know, whether they're fully produced in a studio or whether they've been produced in some other way. What would you, any comment on how that fits into the process? Yeah, like you've said, we've had both of those that we've worked on. One version being the songs are already produced and we basically just fit them right in, in the editing process, in the post-production. That is a super simple way to do that. But you also have the potential for kind of having this disconnect between the dialogue that's leading up to it and the dialogue that follows. So that's something you might want to be kind of cognizant of, paying attention to. And the other way that we've done it is to have the narrators or the actors sing. And of course, you can do that in several ways. You can have them, you know, most of the time our uh, narrators are spread out all over the world. So we have uh, either someone or, you know, someone create a, a click track basically or um, with the melody or whatever it is to have everyone sing the same, if they're singing together, that is. Right, right. So they'll be sent this piece, they'll record with it so that everyone is on the same timing. It's kind of, it's kind of crazy to, right. to hear that it's done separately and then the editor will put it together and they sound like they're singing together. Right, yeah, yeah. And in that way, although there can be a little bit of a disconnect, um, I found that it is much less. We also do recording sessions where everyone is on a video call. So it's much more like being in a rehearsal room or something. Um, so everyone is hearing everyone else's lines. And maybe this is a little bit out of the, the uh, music world. Okay. But yeah, yeah. But yeah, I, I, I really like the way that we do it. It's sort of, you can react more naturally like an actor would when you're right. doing a play yeah. or a screenplay. Yeah. One of the things that you were talking about in the lead-in to the music. And I I remember a moment in Cosmic Cowboy when we did the musical, which was one where we had fully produced songs. And there was narrative leading in where basically what we ended up doing, I think we there were some segments where we would find a group of measures that we could potentially loop and have it sound right, you know, so we could extend a little bit. But the other thing that we did was it, it's like was the placement of the the timing of the narrative over the introduction lead into the song and had some really cool stuff that that came in as a result of that. Yeah, there there are definitely ways that you can make that transition a little more natural and those are a, a couple ways of doing that having your your uh, sound engineer kind of 
playing with the music that's already produced, either repeating a section so that it works with the dialogue or fitting the dialogue over certain places, maybe a break in the music. So um, yeah, lots of fun, creative ways of doing that. Yeah, I feel like I'd like to kind of wrap this up with just bringing out, as we're talking about fun and creative ways of doing things, that when are working together with a team that's creative, that's really has the same, you know, is working towards the same goal of creating a great listener experience, then beautiful things can happen. And some exciting, surprisingly phenomenal, you know, uh, sound experiences can happen. So I just want to take a moment first to encourage our listeners to, as you approach this process with your own work, is really think about it as you're part of a team rather than, you know, yes, it is, it started as your baby, right? As your creation. But when you allow it to grow beyond just that, when you are able to open your hand with it and let it grow into something even more than where it started, you know, having a, a, a strong creative team around you can make it such a phenomenal experience. So I just really want to encourage you all in that way. And Jerry Lee, I would like to thank you again so much for uh, being part of our team at Pro Audio Voices, but then also for taking the time today to talk with us. Mm -hmm. Thank you. My pleasure. Thanks. And just a reminder to our listeners, as always, if you have questions about this topic, pre-production, screenplays, theater scripts, how you might want to move forward or w with your own work or, or any questions around that, please reach out to us at ProAudioVoices.com. We're here to help your great stories come alive. Thanks. Thanks for joining us for Audiobook Connection, behind the scenes with the creative teams. Please take a moment to subscribe at audiobookconnection.com. The podcast is sponsored by Pro Audio Voices, helping great stories come alive through audiobook production and marketing. Learn more at proaudiovoices.com. Again, thanks for being with us, and please join us next week. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.